Welcome to Dan Dan the Pearman Podcast, brought to you by all things strange, unusual, and unknown in the world. Take a walk with me, your host Dan, as we explore the world of the strange, unusual, unexplained, and the unknown. During our time together, we will look at facts, findings, experiences, and research of current and past encounters. It is my pleasure and passion of the supernatural and unknown that has sparked this podcast to life in a small city in central Michigan. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into today's episode. Episode 7, The Tronkeel Sanitarium. In the 1890s, two ranches belonging to the Fortune and Cooney family began taking in consumptives as boarders and allowed those infected with tuberculosis to live in small cabins or tents on the property and care for themselves as long as possible, according to a research paper by Glenis Zilm and Ethel Warbeneck in 1994. BC Society for the Prevention and Treatment of Consumption and Other Forms of Tuberculosis held its first meeting in January of 1904 to begin the plans and fundraising necessary to build an isolated tuberculosis hospital. According to the research paper by Zilm and Warbeneck, they soon discovered a Camp Loops property for sale and after raising $58,000, bought 600 acres plus buildings from the family of early settler William Fortune. They also took over the lease for an additional 2,000 acres from the Dominion government, and in 1922 bought the neighboring 700-acre area from Charles Cooney. A tuberculosis hospital was opened on November 28, 1907, officially called the King Edward Memorial Sanatorium. At the time, the patients were kept in the original structures, but the demand for more spaces led to an almost constant state of construction. By 1910, the hospital could accommodate 49 patients and employed four nurses and 12 attendants. Eventually, the sanatorium had 360 beds, according to the Tronkill Sanitarium Collection by Rob Gilbert. The property included Alexandra Ranch, which used to grow food and raised animals for the sanatorium patients, staff, and to sell to the public. The farm grew and became a source of revenue through meat, dairy, and vegetables. The farm continued to operate even after the closure of the sanatorium. There was a newspaper the Tronkillian, which was run by patients. Many of the staff lived on site and formed relationships and started families with the children living there attending a small schoolhouse. At the time, the hospital focused on preventing the spread of infection and taught self-care. A strict regimen of rest, healthy foods, and fresh air helped to treat those infected. The patients were kept in open air verandas and nurses who tended to them on winter mornings reported seeing their faces covered with frost. 
About half of those admitted to the sanatorium paid for their own fees. Back then, it cost around $55 per month, and the average day was for 200 days. In the early 1900s, approximately one of seven of the population in the world had died from the disease. The older buildings were torn down and replaced throughout the years. Construction continued while the sanatorium's population continued to grow, with many World War I soldiers returning with the disease. When anti-tuberculosis drugs were introduced in the late 1940s, the dynamics of the hospital changed greatly. Sanatoriums soon became unnecessary, and the hospital closed in 1958. The abandoned site is currently operated by Tranquil Farm Fresh, and the acres of fertile lands are used for agriculture. Movies such as The A-Team and Firewall were partly filmed there. The company on Saturdays and Sundays gives tours of the grounds and opens its infamous tunnels at Halloween with theatrics in partnership with Cinema Theater of Kamloops, B.C. The site has been approved for a future resort community named Tronkiel on the Lake. Tronkiel, Canada is one of the spookiest and most unusual stories told about Camp Loops in the interior of British Columbia. Similarly, Tronkill, Canada also served as a thriving micro-center that employed and staffed hundreds. It also provided goods and services for people all around the province. Empty for decades, people have reported feeling a penetrating eeriness when they visit the site. There are multiple buildings at the site and even mysterious tunnels that connect many of them underground. Visitors claim to see a mother crying for her child on the sixth and eighth floors, while others have reported hearing the voices of kids playing in the children's ward or seeing bright orbs near the main entrance. Likewise, other reports note that the tunnels below are filled with lonely voices and cries. People from all over the world have sought out a visit to Tronkill, especially those interested in the haunts that are reported there. It's said to be one of Canada's most haunted locations. Tronkill Sanatorium has seen its fair share of death and dismay. Tuberculosis claimed many lives at Tronkill. Tunnels that run under the property are said to have even been used to not only transport dry goods to the hospital, but to transport bodies out to the cemetery located on the property. This was believed to be better for the mental health of the patients still fighting the illness. It was thought that they shouldn't be subjected to seeing corpses leaving the building on a daily basis. Visitors to the sanatorium these days come looking for a touristy thrill, but are left with much more than they bargained for. Some patrons experience disembodied moans and groans that are certainly not part of the historic tour given of the hospital, and others have even reported seeing apparitions wandering the grounds, as well as orbs floating around the property and hallways of the massive structure.
The hauntings at Tronkiel are reminiscent of the ones reported at the Athens Lunatic Asylum in Ohio. While many deaths occurred in and around the asylum, as few truly stand out, one tells of a patient named Margaret Schilling, who disappeared on December 1, 1978. It wasn't until January the following year that her body was discovered in a long, abandoned ward. While her autopsy showed she died of heart failure, she was found completely naked, with her clothing neatly folded next to her body. More interesting is the permanent stain that her body left behind, imprinted on the floor, unable to be removed by numerous cleanings. Her spirit is said to be seen staring down from the window of the room where her body was found. She's also been seen attempting to escape and is known to wander the building at night. Other former patients are also said to have stayed behind, appearing as full-body apparitions, standing in the empty wings of the former hospital, disembodied voices and yells, squeaking gurneys, strange lights, and screams are also common. Bodies of the poor and unclaimed were dumped into a mass, unmarked grave, apparently. Not something one wants to do if they hope to keep spirits at rest. Reports of light phenomenon around the property, light orbs, and faint floating lights are seen traveling in circles, especially at the main entrance, and the lights go on and off by themselves. Many of the buildings are abandoned and will probably be demolished. Apparitions and dark figures have been seen in the windows. A bizarre twisting mist has been captured in pictures. The mist is not witnessed by the naked eye. The hospital had been divided into several wings. The B wing, in particular, has reported hauntings. Pediatrics were contained in this wing, and the crying of children is still heard there. An apparition has been seen wandering the same area, claiming she is looking for her lost child. She is witnessed crying. Those cries echo in the hallways, even after she disappears. An electrician reportedly died in the basement while doing repair work, and his spirit is sometimes seen down there. There are underground tunnels beneath the sunken gardens. These tunnels are reportedly the most haunted area of the location. More than food and laundry were moved in these tunnels. Dead bodies were transported this way as well. People who have investigated the tunnels claim to have been pushed by unseen forces, and muffled moans are heard echoing down the tunnels. Tunnel tours are offered on occasion. Rumors have circulated that a nurse was murdered by a patient, and now she still wanders the grounds. An intense feeling of sadness is felt throughout the buildings that is believed to be a latent emotion that has built up from years of people being separated from others and their family because of their illness or mental issues. Sudden drops in temperatures are felt as well. One person claimed that he was at the location at night and he was chased away by a mist-like apparition. During my research, I came across this one story that stood out, and it goes, 
my grandfather, Dr. John Bauer, was the medical superintendent there from 1968 to 1978. He and his wife lived on the property in what is called the doctor's house. I lived there with them for some years in the early 1970s. I had a terrifying experience there in June 1973. My grandparents were out visiting their friend, Alex McIntosh, the head nurse who also lived on the Tronkeel property. I was alone watching television around 11.30 p.m. My grandfather kept his empty soda cans in bags in the kitchen entrance. I was startled to hear the bags of cans begin shaking. I went to see what was causing the cans shaking, but by the time I got to the room they were in, the shaking had stopped. I was getting a very scared feeling, but went back to watch TV. Thirty seconds later, I heard footsteps of someone with a club foot shuffling towards the TV room. As the footsteps got closer, I could hear heavy breathing. I became paralyzed with fear at this point. The shuffling footsteps stopped just outside the door of the TV room, but the heavy breathing continued. I sat in my chair silently, hardly daring to breathe. After about five minutes, the breathing noise slowly faded away. I was so scared, I stayed in my chair for almost an hour. I finally got the nerve to investigate and went through the entire house. All the doors were locked, as well as the windows being closed. There was absolutely no one else in the house but me. My grandparents arrived back at around 1 a.m. and I told them what had happened. My grandfather thought I was imagining things, but my grandmother said the same type of occurrence had happened to her at least twice since they moved in. There have been numerous reports of mysterious glowing orbs spotted flying around the now abandoned hospital complex. This was the most terrifying experience I had ever had, and the terror I felt that night is still fresh in my mind as when it happened 39 years ago. There is a rumor that the first doctor to inhabit the house back in 1910, Dr. Charles Fagan, his wife had contracted TB and died in the house. The rumor says Dr. Fagan put his wife's body in the dirt room in the basement for a week before her reported death. It is also rumored that Dr. Fagan cut off his wife's ring finger and embalmed it and kept it with him for the rest of his life. No matter if the Tronkeel Sanatorium is haunted from past residents, employees, or if it's just a bunch of hype from visitors wanting to be scared, one thing is for certain. Tronkeel's Sanatorium has a lot of history, has seen a lot of death, and is now just a spooky location for visitors and thrill-seekers alike. Thank you all for tuning in to Episode 7, Tronkeel Sanatorium. And if you are interested in hearing more from Dan Dan the Paraman, please like and follow us for more fun facts, findings, and experiences of current and past strange, unusual, and unknown encounters. You can find us on any of the streaming platforms including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Deezer, and more. You can also find us on Instagram at Dan Dan the Paraman Podcast 
or online at dandantheparamanpodcast.buzzsprout.com. You can also email us at dandantheparamanpodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email with your ghost stories or strange encounters to end up on a future episode. All the information covered in today's episode will be posted in the show notes as well.